0: Welcome to the latest episode of EG Like Sunday Morning, in which I am delighted to be joined by our two esteemed senior writers, Julia Cahill and Piers Weyner, which does make me wonder, is there a collective noun for senior writers?
1: Um, A retirement home? (laughs) Possibly, possibly, possibly. An assisted Uh, living of senior writers. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, How have you both been this week? You. Well, you know, the lumbar goes out the, uh, <laughs> and my eyes aren't what they used to be. Um, I've got these clicky joints. No, good, good, I've had a good wish. <laughs> uh, you've had a busy week, Piers. Uh,
0: this week, uh, you've been writing about a 35% rise in planning fees uh, and the industry yes. reaction to that, which may be uh, not quite what listeners might expect.
1: Well, no, I mean, it, it sounds good, doesn't it? A 35% r- increase. Sounds pretty good. And it kicks in this week. So the 6th of December was when that took hold. 35% increase for major applications, commercial and residential, and a 25% increase for the other stuff. Mm. Um, and just you don't have to factor in that the 35% increase goes up to a certain point. So it's capped at £405,000 per application, which sounds like mm. a lot of money. But when we are looking into this piece, um, you have to put that into perspective. So uh, uh, Barry Jessup at Socius did this, and he just he sort of broke down the numbers for us. And he said, imagine a 250 million pound regeneration project, not unlike some of the ones that he deals with. But we're not talking about a specific specific one. No, 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 no. This is just (laughs) for your imagination. Um, So if you start with that. And you imagine that the the land price in that is about thirty million pounds, and you've bought that through various financing. So that's sitting on your books. You have that. Your planning costs then cost about four million pounds, but that includes all of the design, piecing together the the planning application. You know, all of the stuff that goes into planning. That's four million pounds worth of the budget of a two hundred and fifty million pound um, project. And then of that, of that four million pounds. Your planning fee on a, scale, on a something of that scale is probably going to be 150 grand. And he said, "It's it's nothing. It's de minimis, He said, "You know, it, it barely even f- shows up on the uh, on the books." If you then increase that by 35, percent you're not really doing that much. You, so it's not going to have that huge an impact on developers in that sense. So we weren't expecting great cries and gnashing of teeth. What we were hoping for, I guess, what everybody was hoping for, is that any increase in money going into the planning system improves the planning system. <laughs> but <Yes. laughs> your laugh tells me exactly what you think <laughs> of that. But it doesn't even touch the site. Putting up the application fee by 35% doesn't even close the gap that currently exists, let alone giving um, planning authorities enough resources to cope with what's coming down the line. You know, They're going to have... Um, green issues, we'll get on to green issues in a minute, but they're going to have all of those to face. They're going to have carbon capture. They're going to have all of that sort of stuff coming down the line as well. Um, and at the moment, the overall cost of processing planning applications for planning authorities, mostly local authorities, but the overall cost to them is about six hundred and seventy five million. Oh. The money currently pulled in by planning fees is three hundred and ninety three million. They get other things. So there are PPAs, there are various ways that developers can contribute, but those again are capped. They're also on a largely informal basis, so they can't rely on that. But there is a black hole in planning funding based on what the fees, what the application processing costs, and what they get in of about £225 million annually. If you wanted to close that, you'd have to whack up all application fees by at least 50%. They haven't done that. So there's still the gap there. But as I said, this doesn't actually help anyway because that would just get us to be able to afford the level of service that we're at now. Mm. And anybody looking at the uh, a new ones come out now for uh, June to September, I think, of um, planning application turnaround. Um, I mean, the amount of major schemes going through in the 13 weeks that they're meant to is ridiculously small i can't remember the exact percentages but it's hovering around 17 percent. it's it's not good at all and that's because there has been this drain of funding for local authority and uh, planning authority uh, planning departments uh, over the, the past 10 years it's been about 1.3 billion pounds has just been sucked out of them and it's not even as though they can go and ransack the rest of um the rest of the local authority to go and find more money, because as we know, local authorities are declare, uh, issuing section 114 notices every single month. The uh, the LGA has, has just said that um, the frequency of those has gone up, where we had nine issued since 2017, we've now had three issued this year, and they're oh. expecting, I think it's 16 next year, just in, in a year, they say that there are 60 local authorities that are likely to issue them over the next year. It's just they're not sure which of the 60 it's going to be. Um, so <laughs> this is this is turning into a bit of a, a long winded rant, isn't it, Jess? But not at all. Thing, uh, and we, we, we may that...
0: well return to, to local authorities a little later on as well. But
1: um... Well, the thing that we wanted to ask developers um, about was so. Is this is the good intention of the government you know increasing the fees? There's also the extra thirty two million quid that the Chancellor has promised to put in to clear the backlog that that, that amounts to one percent, less than one percent of um what councils spend on on planning in a year. it's It's ridiculous. Um, but the 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 main problem is that all of this money has just been sucked out. So we were talking to developers, you know, what's the What's the solution? And they have said resoundingly, we tried to find one that didn't say this. They have said, just get us to pay the money. We are happy to. because mm-hmm. if you think about it, imagine you've got a fifty million pound block of land on your books and you've got financing for it. Um, you need your planning application to go through so that you can start work so that you can then recoup the value so that you can you know move on with your life. For every week that you are um, the works, well, for, let's make it easier. For every month, that's going to cost you about half half a million quid. Mm-hmm. That's more than even the biggest planning application fee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is costing developers so much more to just have these projects stall than it is than it would ever cost to just pay a planning authority, which desperately needs the money to be able to to work quicker, to to resource them properly. But then you have the other problem, which is, can you guarantee that a planning authority, if you gave them that extra resource, whether they they would be able to keep it for themselves and spend Mm -hmm. it all on planning? And the answer at the moment is no, you absolutely can't because local authorities just don't have the money across the board. And unless it is statutorily ring-fenced, unless there is legislation that ring fences that money within planning, it will be spent elsewhere. And that's the problem that we're seeing because the government is refusing to ring fence. Central government is refusing to ring fence. They're saying that they will try and ring fence the extra 35% by, um, by getting the chief planner to send out a letter <laughs> which has no weight in law and they can just ignore. And, and this is because the councils have a £4 billion shortfall of funding that they're coping with. And they are legally obliged to deal with things like homelessness and social care and all these other sort of really very important things first Hmm. so that's kind of where we are and is there much in the way of optimism that the government will
0: will grapple with this beyond applying sticking blasters
1: well uh, yes and no i think the um if you talk to the bpf then they're quite pleased that these conversations are happening that's Hmm. always good um if you talk to the developers, they're quite pleased that actually when they say, just let us pay you more, that's being listened to. It is about trying to work out how to do it. But then you get the flip side of that, which is um, Michael Gove, Secretary of State for Leveling Up, etc., who's in charge of local government funding, uh, was in um, in committee yesterday, uh, when was that? Wednesday. Um, and he was asked by Clive, Bet- Clive Betts, the um, Leveling Up Committee chair, um, did he did he think that the, the chronic lack of funding for local authorities was what was causing the problems? What was causing the section one one four notices, causing the the problems with planning uh, departments? And Michael Gove said, no, absolutely not. It's because of leadership problems and mismanagement. We just had Nottingham go bust. Yeah, they've had their problems in the past. There are a couple of things, um, issues with procurement, etc. but there have been no warnings, no official warnings about, uh, leadership. They've had, um, they have had problems with money. In fact, mm. commissioners have been sent in to sort those problems out. They've been rummaging around trying to sell as much property as they can to raise a hundred million pounds. That's their ambition. Um, but the main problem they say is that their, um, they now have a budgetary gap of £23 million a year because core funding from central government has dropped by £100 million a year every year for the past 10 years. So, yeah, there are warm words coming from government, but they don't want to put their hand in the Treasury's pocket and dish out more funds other than this £32 million, which, I mean, that won't even close the gap of one council.
0: Difficulties then very much lying ahead for for local authorities and unfortunately uh, developers into 2024. Um, More money might be the answer to that problem, but of course, uh, money is not the answer to all our problems and indeed can often uh, be the cause of them. Uh, Julia, you've been digging into the latest RICS global sustainability report this week that suggests uh, that the real estate industry is still prizing profit over principles. Tell us more about, about the report's findings.
2: Mm, well this, this was a, an interesting one to work on. It started off with a fairly anodyne press release, really, popping into, into the, the EG News news tray, um, which uh, talked about the RICS, um, the Global Sustainability Report that they published this week. But it, this, this press release sort of focused on the fact that investor demand and occupier demand for green buildings is going up that, um, you know, the industry sort of held back by um, uh, concerns over costs and lack of measurement, um, which, you know, all fair points. But when you actually look at the report itself, um, as you've sort of alluded to, it's it's really sort of far more um, damning, really, about the progress that the industry has made and and why it isn't um, doing more. Um, so Tina Payet, the president-elect, um has warned that um, the industry is sort of putting um profit before principles um, and much more concerned about certification than actual real sort of change. There's there's a really um great table that people might be interested to look at from this report, where so so it's all based on on, on surveys um, of investors, occupiers. Um, developers and um and one of those um one area of, sort of questioning was um asking them about what what they saw as the most essential features of a green building and energy efficiency comes sort of right at the top then then you've got green building certification just after that and then way down the list you've got things like um effective waste management or reducing the embodied carbon in construction. So obviously, you know, all those things are seen as important, but it was what Tina sort of really highlighted is that those things aren't seen as as important as certification. Mm. Um, So that, you know, that really, that's kind of shed some light, I suppose, on on, um, how the industry's approaching this. Um, and uh and also she's cited the sort of concerns about cost and return on investment as being the principal barriers to change. So it's not it's not any sort of lack of knowledge um at this stage. It is it's much more about cost and return on investment, that's what's sort of holding holding things back. Um so the RCS is obviously very, very keen to see more um done on this and for the industry to do more itself rather than be um pushed um by government to to um to act um more effectively so all sort of tying in with the cop um stuff going on at the moment as well so yeah an interesting picture and i thought it was great that she's not you know she's not giving the industry an easy ride in any mm. sense on this
0: um on a related note um <laughs> on, on on the environmental matters the uk green building council has published its own uh, troubling report uh, warning that the industry is significantly off track from the trajectory required to meet the UK's national
1: net zero commitments. Uh, Piers, uh, just how bad is it? Um, it's it's pretty bad. I mean, similar to, to what Julia was talking about, this is a fairly damning report. Um, what Smith Mordak says, uh, the UK GBC chief executive, is that the industry is not moving fast enough. Fair enough. Um, But that it needs to move twice as fast. That if any of these targets are going to be hit, the pace needs to be doubled. And that, I mean, that sounds like something that rhetorically is quite easy. Come on, double your pace, dig in. But this, we're talking about um, the fact that emissions from the UK built environment fell by 13% between 2018 and 2022. The target was 19%. So that would have been an easier gap to. To close what we've now got to do is double that we've got to double 13 we've got to double what we've managed to do over the last few years and the reason for that, as 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 mordak says is that there just isn't any time left we've been talking about this for ages and, and julia's point about the um you know looking at the balance sheet and the costs and you can't quite get the returns that you want there's no time for any of that as sam says in her leader you know there won't be any built environment if if the waters rise and everything floods you know you're going to be happy to be talking about insurance premiums because that's going to be the least of your worries i think that the the change that's now needing to come is is of a a far greater quantum than we've ever been talking about before the the days when we were talking about twenty thirty targets and so on and that seemed like a long way away that's way behind us we've now got a clock ticking and it's ticking really fast. And I think that both of those reports, the the Rix one and the UK GBC one, um, are, if anything, slightly pulling their punches with their language, <laughs> because it's it's pretty scary. And actually, to be fair, if you talk to to some developers, they're saying the same thing. I mean, one of the interesting things is uh, as Julia said, it's it's COP28 at the moment, which is in Dubai. If you look at any of the coverage of that, that's scary. That is scary because this is where people should be getting together and really trying to beat the drum to encourage anybody who's worrying about their balance sheet, to encourage them to say, look, we've got your back. We will be able to provide you with the assistance, the support, the incentives. It's the private sector that is mostly going to have to do the heavy lifting on this. The public sector needs to be there with the appropriate sticks and carrots. What we're seeing from... Global governments, actually, is that those sticks and carrots aren't being applied in the right way. And for our national government, quite a lot of the carrots simply haven't worked. And now the money for those has dried up and the sticks have just been taken away. The incentives aren't there. And the regulatory framework that would compel people to to stick to these is being gradually stripped away by a government that's decided that it's just not in its electoral interests. I think it's it's properly worrying. Although, having said that, you know, you do see people who take a very different stance um, and they're all over social media. I think some of them have, have actually responded to uh, Sam's editor's piece. Uh, and you know, as far as I'm concerned, they're welcome to their opinion. Absolutely welcome to their opinion.
0: I mean, it it would be absolutely fantastic if they were right. And it, 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 isn't, it? Re- it, it, it isn't really a problem. But uh, it <laughs> yes, yes. Um, the the theme of of this week's EGLSN seems to be uh, everything's getting worse and we're not we're not doing nearly enough to solve it, um, which is a bit of a, a miserable tone to strike as we as we not,
2: sort of approach. Not very Christmassy, Jess, is
0: it? No, it's it? not Absolutely. very Christmassy. So so in the Happy spirit. Happy Hanukkah. Of, Sorry. <laughs> we're in all the screamed. spirit. <laughs> in the spirit of of applying sticking plasters to gaping wounds, uh, I have. <laughs> I have, uh, for the first time in quite a while, brought back uh, brought back a little quiz uh, of the week. If Yay. you'd like to round up round up the rest of the week's <laughs> events, uh, and it's um, yeah. Uh, so you know, let's try and summon up the the, the will to, to 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 do that if uh, if you can. Um, That's right, Julia. Kit, it's a bit of fun now. <laughs> <laughs> Julia, would you like to go first or second? love to go Please. first. Love to I'd love, love to. to. Okay, right here we go. Uh, First round, a simple question for each of you. Julia, which Norwegian cruise company is moving from WeWork's Five Merchant Square to a new London HQ at 210 Pentonville Road?
2: Oh, God, what are they called? (laughs) I'd I'd quite like to go on a Norwegian cruise. Would that be...
1: Would oh. That would be possible. <laughs> um, is that what we is that what we get if we win the quiz? Do we get a Norwegian cruise? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, any, oh, any...
2: They're, they're, they've got a funny name. Um, oh gosh, yeah, Hurtigruten. Herty Hurtigruten is it that That's one? That's
0: right. They have like right, basically they have. If you wrote a book and put in a company called Hurtigruten Cruises as your Norwegian cruise company, you would get complaints that you were just taking the mick. Uh, I think. <laughs> It is it is so on the nose, but it is Hertigruuten uh, cruises. Well done for digging I've that a Grouten, out.
1: Hertigruuten, actually. I've, I've, I've a, it's one of the problems about being senior is that you get Hertigruuten yeah. all the time.
0: Yeah, you can, you can. I think you can get some cream for that. So um, yeah, d- 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 maybe maybe take a look at that after the after the recording. Uh, Piers, uh, and which activewear brand? I'm sure you're well into your activewear brands. Uh, has taken new offices at 80 The Strand.
1: Oh. oh, no! This is awful. I don't think I know. I don't. I, I couldn't even guess. Oh. This is what I need. Uh, I Julia. need more. I need more Active Wear. I need to get more Active Wear. <laughs> get more <laughs> yes. active and stop worrying about well. my dirty grout <laughs> And then maybe I can stop, <laughs> you know, whinging about. it. Uh, Julia, do you do you have mm-hmm. any idea
0: which Active Wear brand? Um. Well. Uh, don't be sour over this, but yeah, it's Lulu. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I did that. Once, <laughs> once you've sorted your hurty uh you need to you need to give careful attention to your Lulu lemons, uh, Piers, as well. So um, another uh, another format within a format to revive. I have also to pay homage to Piers. Uh, got a, a little mini uh, each other's bits round in this week's quiz. So, so let's see how well. How well uh, do you senior writers, after so many years working together, know each other's bits? Uh, so for this is for Julia. This is one of Piers' stories. Um, the co-owner of which iconic London store has filed for administration?
2: Oh God, yeah, this is such an interesting yeah story. Um, yeah, it's so it's Selfridges, isn't it? Um,
0: Correct. Did you want the owner? Was yeah.
2: that the answer? Selfridges.
0: No, no, the, that's the answer. Pierce, do you the want answer. to just give us a, a, a brief bit of context?
1: Yeah, it's Cigna. Um, this is, I mean, th- yeah, they've they've been exposed as having huge financial irregularities, which um, make for amazing reading if you can track them down. They're brilliant because they've started to have shouldn't we shouldn't uh, close about other people's misfortune, but they've had to start getting rid of some people and start sort of trimming back costs, and that includes um, axing the uh, the hunting and fishing department. I think they've also had to get rid of a couple of butlers. I mean, you can kind of see why they've ended up in <laughs> right. financial difficulties, can't you? Um, yeah. But no, it's it, it, they're uh, having, to, having to bring in some people to um, to talk about where they go next, and a sale of their salvages stake is definitely on the cards.
0: Okay. And as a bonus question, Julia, what even more iconic New York property does Cigna own?
2: Oh, um, it I think it's the Chrysler, isn't it? Is it the Chrysler? No. That's yes, the
0: Chrysler. Doing... Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah.
0: Chrysler. Okay. So, uh, Julia is smashing it. Uh, Piers, uh, this is based on, on uh, one of Julia's stories this week. Uh, so, Helmsley Group has submitted revised plans for its Coney Street Riverside project in which northern city? Is it York? It is York. Well done. You also have a bonus, because, you know, it would be unfair if if, uh, if Julia had, had extra points available. Your bonus takes us elsewhere uh, in the region, as developer Situ uh, has bought the historic John Banner department store in a suburb of
1: which other city? I Abbott, mean, no idea. No. no. Pass. Uh, <laughs> Julia, I'm sure you can recall um, Oh, it's Sheffield. Story.
2: Sheffield. Yes. Yeah, yeah, another so, tale of department store kind of all oh, history, but yeah, it was it was it was in bankruptcy um, a while ago, but yes, they are transforming it, going to transform it.
0: Yeah, it sounds like a couple of interesting development projects in in North and South Yorkshire respectively. Uh, okay, yeah. so I think uh, Julia is is I think at this point two points ahead. Um, and,
1: <laughs> thanks uh, for bringing back the quiz, Jess.
0: Just it's the really great of you, thanks,
1: mate.
0: Just the missing words round left on the quiz uh, to see whether you can you can gain some respectability, Piers. Uh <laughs> Julia, uh, blank reits are prime M and A targets. Blank reits are prime um, MA targets. It's a two-word blank. Can you fill in the blank? Oh,
2: this is a, yeah, this was a brilliant headline, um, uh, something like Space Junk or Space. Oh, uh,
0: she's digging it out of her memory yeah. today. Uh, full House for Julia. This is the opinion of Marcus Fairmudge, uh, manager behind TR Property Investment Trust, that smaller listed REITs trading at a hefty discount to their net asset value are right takeover targets. And who am I to argue with that? Uh, Piers, uh, your final question blank complete management buyout uh clutton's it is clutton's well done fantastic Uh, (laughs) clattons has indeed been bought by its management with external funding from Trion capital Uh, great a a, a triumph i think and a little bit of yeah raising the mood raising our spirits a little bit after the doom and gloom of the the meat
1: and potatoes of the podcast well i was hesitant Um, on that last one jess because i was expecting it to be funny
0: <laughs> um, so sadly, I, I couldn't find a second funny headline. Um, alas, we we need to work harder uh, at the funny headlines uh, for quiz purposes. Right, uh, I think we're all still a little bit down uh, after after all that. Um, fingers crossed, the rest of 2023 and into 2024 brings as all brighter news on matters both economic and environmental. Um, but I don't think any of us will be holding our breaths on that front. Uh, but you never know, we might be here back with a more jolly episode of EG like Sunday morning next week. Uh, thanks to Piers and Julia for joining us this time. Who knows who will be with us next time uh, as we return for another EGLFM.